celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Ambassador, advocate, athlete. Jaden Mavold is a T54 internationally classified wheelchair racer and this year Paralympics NZ selected him into the Paris Sport Collective. Born with a rare form of spina bifida, he has faced many physically challenging moments in his life, including 30 major surgeries. From competitive swimming, wheelchair basketball, triathlons and racing, Jaden is an athlete to his core. His passion now being wheelchair racing, where he competes in track events from 100 meters to 5K and 10K road events, holding numerous Auckland, New Zealand age group records and several national championship titles. However, the most notable qualities of Jaden's character are found not in his competitive spirit, but in his generous heart. He is heavily involved with the community, regionally and nationally. He serves on many committees and advisory groups. He's a disability advocate, public speaker, and ambassador. He's working with Massey University to provide research assistance for studies tackling ableism in society. He represents Paralympics New Zealand in schools and organizations. He advises the Ministry of Social Development as a youth member. He's providing Auckland Transport advice and insight into accessibility issues for public transport. And he's an ILEAD National Committee member. That's a social change movement. F as if, Jaden, you were not busy enough, you're also pursuing a degree at the Auckland University of Technology and Psychology. Wow, I know I missed some things, but that is an incredible amount of things you're up to, Jaden. Such an honor to have you. Where and how are you today? It's an honor to be here as well. I'm looking forward to talking to you for the next while. I'm doing really well today. Um, I was actually recently in hospital a couple of days ago, though, um, which, you know, is always not good, but you've always got to look at the positive, and I'm doing really well um, now, which is cool, and I'm looking forward to what's to come. Um, yeah, so I'm go- doing good. I'm in Auckland as well. Very nice, and I know that was number 33 of 32. surgery, wasn't it? could have been a 33. It could have been a 33, but we made it a 32, so we're all good there. We stopped there. Oh, well, okay, awesome. Well, even better to be speaking to you. I can imagine there's been a lot going on. Probably normally you would have had a training session at the start and maybe the end of a day. Is that what typically your day begins with training and ends with? What is a normal day for you? Yeah, so at the moment, I train once a day, which is pretty cool. Um, I mean, I do have one day a week where I do a gym session and then a training session, either on my rollers or at the track, but I tend to train once a day. Um, And it really depends on what I have on that day, because as you said, I am quite busy within my community and at university. Um, So I really got to work on my time management and and figure out at the beginning of the week, what do I have on that week? When can I put my training in? Because that's obviously the most important. And then when can I do all my community work? When can I study? But yeah, a typical day is is training just whenever I have have time. It's like short bursts or yeah. uh, like one block in the morning. For me, I always loved the morning. I found afternoons not a lot was going to come out of me productivity wise. So I, I appreciate that. And I think sometimes with athletes as well, they think, oh, I've got to train you know, twice a day, do this and that. It's like, no, you can be very successful and fit it into your schedule, uh, yeah. making it work for you. So that's a good note. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And I sports is the most important thing in my life at the moment. So I do try to find time to do it, even if I do have to, you know, quit, uh, stop some of my community work in, in the process to be able to train. Yeah, absolutely. And as we've mentioned 2023 has already been a massive year from the world para athletics grand prix in switzerland to the halberg foundation games to being selected into the para sport collective you turn 19 yeah crazy you're studying at uni all while racing globally and public speaking across new zealand fittingly you were also awarded the 2023 leadership award by disability sport auckland for your constant dedication to coaching sharing your passion and being a role model so with we've mentioned your intense uh, physical training schedule we've got to get all those sessions in a week uni studies community service and speaking events and just traveling how Jaden, do you manage the workload yeah um yeah, like you said I, I do do quite a lot and I don't really have a day where I don't have something on which you know it, it can be a bad thing because you're constantly doing something but I mean I love my life and and I wouldn't have it any other way I love being busy uh, but there are there are a few strategies that I do use uh, to make sure that I don't overdo it and that's where within my sports whether it's talking to my coach hey I've got this on how can we adjust my training so I don't overdo it and I still am excelling in my sports uh, within my community work and within everything I'm doing I try to create schedules at the beginning of the week of having hey I've got this on during the week how do I um, prioritize in terms of training how do I prioritize in terms of my community work when can I study but also when can I have time to rest because rest is also uh, quite important and and if you don't rest you get burnout which can be quite bad and negatively affect your sport Another thing that I do is also ask for help. If I am struggling with within my, my schoolwork, I may go to my university and be like, hey, I'm struggling to get this assignment done because I'm doing this, this, and this. Can you help me? Um, it's really important to ask for help when you need it. I mean, I, I've had times where I try to do everything on my own and, you know, it, it always ends bad. Um, it never works. And, and I guess that, that that's some advice for, for the listeners is that if you are struggling, because things are just getting too much ask for help when you need it because other people when they help you it, it makes it way less stressful for you and that's something that I've learned over the years to that really helps me almost ask for help very valuable and true thing and I think asking for help is not something that a lot of us find comes easily for whatever yeah. reason that is so it's really encouraging to hear that and also it sounds like you're someone who does look ahead you're not just taking it you might take it day by day, like being present, but you've got to plan ahead. And so you could probably see like Thursday's looking like I'm going to come into some sort of problem. Let me ask for help and see if there's some buffer. Do you find that doing that week plan can allow you probably year plan for you? Like that forward thinking allows you to kind of know when you might need help. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, ha having like a year plan, even uh, I can be like, hey, in, in this month, I've got this, this and this, or this week is going to be absolutely smashed. So why don't I get my university work? Why get my assignment done earlier so that I have more time to do my other things? I mean, so having that forward thinking is quite important, but also having um, a step by step guide is also quite, 
quite helpful and that's something that I do quite regularly, especially within my university work. If I have to complete an assignment, I have, okay, I need to do these things within my assignment to get get my assignment done. So just breaking things down into little little steps also helps me quite a lot. Yeah, it doesn't seem so daunting when it's yeah. little steps. I'm reading about the Paris Sport Collective. I have some friends who've interviewed some some Paralympians and what is the Paris Sport Collective? Because that's a term I wasn't as familiar with. Yeah, so it's a new initiative by Paralympics New Zealand. It's quite cool. Um, so it, it's a program with a bunch of athletes and coaches. Um, and, and it's it's for a year, I think, or j- just over a year. And we come together for online virtual uh, sessions, but also camps um, in person. And we have access to uh, some people from high performance. It's a pre-high performance squad. or Sorry, not, not a squad, a, um, a collective a, a, is what they call it. A pre-high performance collective uh, where we all come together and we have access to people that are in the high performance space. Uh, whether that be like the other day we had uh, a nutritionist, the, the, the lead in nutrition um, came and talked to us and how we can improve our nutrition to get the best out of our performance within within sports. So it's basically a learning program of just learning those extra bits that you need to get into the high performance space. It's so invaluable as well, I can imagine, because even just asking those little questions, like when you have access to like a nutritionist, you just said, can kind of tap them on the shoulder while they're there and have that dialogue, but also the other athletes within the collective creating that sense of team and like unity already. Have you found there's been even more benefits from it than you anticipated in that sense? Yeah. So it's just started. And I I recently, um, there was a camp and I unfortunately was in Switzerland, so I wasn't able to get there. So I haven't um, been able to network as much as I would have liked, but Jumping on that Zoom the other day, I, I was able to listen to to the high performance people, but also listen to the questions from the other people that are in the collective. And it seems like we've go we're going through the same journey, which is awesome. So we're able to learn from each other. We're able to share um, different things that we've learned, and that's what's also really cool about the collective is that we are able to ask different sports. Because it's also not just athletics, it's different sports as well. There's a whole variety. Um, so we're able to ask that, hey, what does what does uh, what works for cycling? What works for swimming that I can apply to my wheelchair racing? And so having that variety of people in, in that collective to be able to share different things and share experiences and tips and tricks is quite cool. We're thinking mental performance. I know you have a mental performance coach and you're studying psychology. And the quote I really enjoyed that you said on breakfast was the psych of sports is bigger than the actual physical part of the sports. If you're not mentally on it at the start line, your competitors will take the advantage. So many great parts about that. One, there's an advantage. Doesn't mean you won't be able to come back from it. And you even said that you expanded and said like, you can take that advantage back, but how important psych is. So big question, but Uh, Are there any strategies or advice you have on how to sharpen mental performance and maybe even apply that to just everyday life? Because not all our listeners are high performance athletes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Mental performance is quite challenging. 
And that's a journey that I'm currently taking, especially with our mental performance coach. Um, I'd say two, three years ago, I was a mess on the start line. I would overthink it. Um, I'd get really hard on myself. Um, and I guess that can be applied to, to normal life, not just sports. We, we always get down on, or a lot of us get down on ourselves if we don't do things 100% to perfection. And that's something that I, I struggled with is I wanted things to be perfect. Every single time that I stepped, I pushed on to the start line and especially with my other sports, cause I was a competitive swimmer. I'd had the same thing. I wanted things to be really, really good and perfect. But there's a few strategies that I've learned, especially with my mental performance coach, David Neath, um, who I've been working with for the past year, is to have a clear vision of what you want to achieve. Have those goals, have those dreams, but also take it step by step. That is really important. You don't want, it's really good to learn, uh, to think and about the big picture. Big picture is awesome. Having those dreams, like my dream is the 2028 Paralympics. That's awesome. But if you don't make it, what are you going to fall back on? You need to take the step-by-steps. What can I achieve today? What can I achieve tomorrow? What can I achieve next week? What can I achieve next month? And so that once you've gone, you've achieved those things, you can be like, actually, if I don't make the Paralympics, that's fine. Because I've been able to achieve so many things in the past year or whatever uh, your journey is. Um, and so you won't be a, a, as upset um, than if you were to just focus on, on the bigger picture or, or the main, the end goal. Um, don't don't overdo it is also another another piece of advice that I I'd give. I've had that a couple of years ago in my wheelchair racing where I was training every single day, um, and I just burnt out. So whether it's in sports or in your in your um in your general life, make sure that you take risks. Make time. Make sure you take time for yourself. Whether that be just going outside, connecting with the earth, that's also quite important. Um, making sure that your mental health is in check. Mental health is is really important, especially as we're talking about mental performance. Um, you've got to be on it every single time that you're on the start line. Um. So just making sure that that you don't overdo it and, and pacing yourself, but also having a positive mindset as well helps with mental performance as well. Um, you always want to stay positive. And, and, you know, I've experienced a lot of challenges in my life. I was just in hospital a couple of days ago, uh, but you've just got to go back to your goals, take it step by step, look at what you want to achieve today, tomorrow, next week, next month. And then um, hopefully that, that will improve your mental performance quite a lot. And, and a lot of those strategies can be applied, um, not just within sports, but in your day-to-day life. And it makes sense too, why you are so positive and just hearing what you were saying about like, yeah, Paralympics 2028 is is our dream, but it's not the dream because you're, you got so much else on the journey. And then the reason I feel like it's so and like what's the word infectious your positivity is so infectious because you are always giving back to other people the fact that you were in hospital a couple of days ago but weeks like last week you were instagramming me like yeah grace i have a break in uni because you're our planet yeah. let's do it then and then i'm seeing you're in hospital I'm like Jaden is just like constantly thinking uh where else can i get my energy where can i give it how can i help others yeah. 
So I just want to take a moment to appreciate like that is so rare and such a gift that you have that you're giving to other people because yeah, I, I'm just smiling as I'm listening to you thinking, well, you're so switched on and you're 19. So I can't wait to talk to you in a year, two years, five years and to see. Well, one of the things I have also learned, um, I learned this in, in Switzerland when I was racing, competing at the World Parathletics Grand Prix, as you were saying before, is that I'm on a plan. So I have a plan. My plan is, my goal is the 2028 Paralympics, but to get there, the journey is your plan. So if you go to a competition and you don't do uh, as well as you're hoping, well, that's just part of the plan. Going and getting that experience is part of the plan. And so it can be applied to, to life, general life as well. If you have a big goal, take the step-by-steps, but you're on a plan, you're on a journey. The journey is the most important. It's not the out, not the outcome. That that's not the most important. Yeah, that, that's the cherry on the top. But it's the it's the journey that that's the coolest part, in my opinion. Uh, Robbie Manson, who's a rower, um, a New Zealand rower, said that once, maybe five or six years ago. He said literally that of you have to enjoy the process of making a cake, and if you're just in it for the cherry on top of the cake, and you don't get it, you'll feel heartbroken however if you enjoy making a cake and then you don't get the cherry it's like oh that's okay I still have this great cake that I'm eating so oh. he he said that exact phrase that you just said so I was like oh I wonder if Jaden has been talking to Robbie about that <laughs> the 2013 Halberg Sports Awards there's a video online and I was mentioning before you got started it's your mum you said has been really onto it with uh, putting out content on YouTube yeah. and there's a video from 2013 you're eight years old and you say that your dream is to be a Paralympian and having competed and performed highly now in swimming wheelchair basketball paratriathlons you were led to your passion of wheelchair racing something I found interesting so I rode and it's 2000 meters that's it track events that you're in you have 100 meters 5,000 meters and then you're doing 10k road events what are the like pros and cons not cons but like what are the pros and then the less pro of each distance yeah yeah so there's lots of pros and cons of both distances so I do 100 200 400 800 1500 5000 10 10k road races I've even done a half marathon before um in my opinion I I prefer the long distance but the 100 meters and the shorter distances a pro of them is that they like they get you to work on your starts so that's quite important in racing if you're not on it at the start both mentally but also physically it is so much harder to catch up now in a, a longer distance that's what's awesome about the 5000 is that if you have a terrible start or if you don't do a start as well as you would hope you have time to catch up because you're racing for 10 11 12 minutes whereas in the 100 meters if your start's not on it then you're done basically um but the 100 meters you get to go real fast eh? which is quite cool once you get up to your top speed um, it's so awesome the, the speed that you can get to and everyone normally is so close in the 100 meters and that's what i love about the 100 meters um is that you rarely have someone that's less than two meters away from you. So you're all pushing very, very close to each other, which can be quite scary, but it is also quite cool. 
Um, but I don't like the 100 meters because my starts aren't as good as they can be. And so I struggle to get going. Um, so that's why I prefer the longer distance. I love the longer distance because it really tests your fitness. And that's what I love. You, you've got to be really fit to be able to perform well in like a 5,000 meter. And so it's really cool to see in the 5,000 meter who the most, well, who the fittest is. Um, with also with the 5,000 meters, there's a lot of things that go on, which is quite cool. There's lots of tactics, whether it's drafting, whether it's pacing. You watch, I think it was at one of the Paralympic Games, they were so far off the world record. That's because they were going so slow for the first, I think maybe it was a 1,500 meter, maybe it was a 5K, I can't remember but they were going really slow until the last 200 meters. And then that's when they went. And so it was a flat out sprint for the last 100 meters, which is so cool. And so there's a lot of things to think about in a long distance event. And that's what I really like. Uh, one thing I don't like about the long distance is that you there's opportunities for you to, to get boxed in, um, which means at the last 100 meters, if you're boxed in, you're done. So you've done all this work for the first 4,900 meters. But if you're boxed in at the end, you're, you're, you're done. So there's a lot of things that could go wrong in a, in a long distance, um, whether they go real fast and you can't keep up. However, the thing I like is that there's a lot, there's also a lot of things that can go right. And there's a lot of uh, mental, your mental skills that you've got to have in the 5,000 event. And that really intrigues me. And so that's why, um, I prefer the long distance and yeah so those are some pros and cons of, of both distances if you were someone who was just super short twitch like could yeah. get off the start 100 meters is done what's a what would be the world record 100 meter time it is 13.63 is the 100 meters like that's insane that's <laughs> so fast yeah, and then the 5,000 is 9.20-something. It's crazy. Nine minutes for a 5K. That's less than two-minute Ks. It's crazy. Being boxed in, though, I can imagine sometimes it can be quite, well, would be frustrating because it's balancing, like, the technical, tactical, physical. But if you're boxed in, you can't even do the yeah. physical. Like, you'd, you're literally boxed in. I guess that's why that's the word. You don't get to let it all out yeah i mean if you if you get boxed in in the first hundred meter or first k of a 5k then there is opportunity for you to get out whether it's slowing down so so you get space within their pack or whether it um yeah so so there's opportunity to get out but if you're boxed in, in the last hundred meters um yeah you're, you're done basically but and also um it can get quite vicious and or I don't want to say vicious, but it can get quite uh, quite scary in a in a in a long distance event. You get elbows, you can get banging of chairs, uh, which can get quite dangerous. I've seen a lot of crashes. Um, so you've also got to watch out for that as well when getting boxed in. You you could uh, get your wheel caught in another wheel, and then you're you're done because you'll fall out of your chair. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong, but I mean that's why you do the sport is because it it gives you that adrenaline. That's why I love the long distance as well. When people start to get fatigued, some yeah. of those tactical errors start to happen because it might it might be intentional. It's probably not. No one wants to cause a crash. 
but yeah, you're just getting tired and you might deviate just a millimeter and take someone's line that those races, it's crazy that a 5,000 meter world record is like nine minutes. That seems short distance still, but it's crazy. a longer one. When you were in Switzerland, what were you racing in? Yeah. So I went to Switzerland for three competitions. I went to uh, Albon, Switzerland for um, a memorial meet, a one day event, and then the Swiss nationals. And, and then I went to Nortville, uh for the World Para Athletics Grand Prix, which is one of the biggest wheelchair racing um, events uh, or competitions on the racing calendar um, besides the Paralympics. And so to be able to go there, I've only raced in Australia maybe once or twice before that. And so to go to a competition which has uh, 100 races from all around the world um, was scary, but man, it opened up for lots of learnings that I took away and, and um, that I can now put into practice in the next competitions. But uh, over over the, those three competitions, I did 14 races um, from the 100 up to the 5,000 meters. Arborn, uh, Switzerland, that is the fastest track in the world. Um, that's where you get world records, uh, which I saw lots and lots of world records broken, which can be quite annoying because that means like, uh, your percentage of world record goes down. But I mean, it's something to chase for. It, it's, it's something um, to, to set your eyes on. It's something to, to go for. Um, so to see those world records broken as well was quite cool. Yeah, to be there when it's happening. And am I right in saying you went with the Australian team to Switzerland? Yes, I, yes, I, well, I went as a New Zealander. Yeah. Um, I was the only New Zealander at... Um, two of those competitions and the ones in Albon and then in Knoxville um, I had two other New Zealanders that came but I, I was the only New, uh, wheelchair racer um, that went for New Zealand. I at those competitions hung out with the Aussies quite a lot. I've been to Australia a couple of times and they're such a cool team and they've really opened up um, to me you know being a part of their team and they've been really really helpful both um, Louise Savage and Fred Periak, they're the national coaches in, in Australia, national wheelchair coaches. And they've, they've really helped me in terms of um, me sending them videos of my technique or whether it's on getting on the Zoom training with them or whether it's going over to Australia to train with them, train with their guys. And so when I was over in Switzerland, I just hung out with them, them a lot. And they gave me great, great advice um, throughout the whole, whole two weeks or or whatever long I was, or however long I was there, because um, it is quite daunting being the only New Zealander. Um, so yeah, being able to hang hang out with them um, was really really cool. Yeah, especially on that first, like you said, well you've been to Australia, but like big meet, and it ties into the Paris Sport Collective. Being able to be with people who might know a bit more than you on something, and being able to ask them right there is this normal what should I do here how early should I go to my race like all those little questions that because you're in that group environment uh you can ask a bit more naturally yeah definitely I mean there was a lot of like I said well, there, there was a lot of different things that happened uh, when I was in Switzerland and I wasn't used to them because I'd only just raced in Australia and so to be able to go to Louise and go to friend that hey this is what I'm thinking during my race or for my race this is my race plan what do you think what is your advice um yeah so to have them there uh, was quite useful otherwise I would have just stressed out 
you know, stressed out quite a lot. Um, so uh, it, it was really cool having them. And, I have to ask, and I didn't prepare you for this question. What's your go-to pre-race snack or meals? Especially when you're yeah. in Switzerland, like I'd be worried that I don't have my normal food. Yeah. Um, my nutrition is something that, that I'm working on. Um, it's, it's pretty good. It, it, I just need to probably focus on it a little bit more. I don't really have a certain pre-race. Uh, I just wake up and see what I'm feeling. I try to eat really healthy before I race. So whether it's having a, a piece of toast with a peanut butter and honey, honey is quite important. It g- gives you energy, especially in New Zealand. I may have an egg um, and an egg on, um, on toast. Um, whether it's having some meats before I race to get, give me some energy. But during my race, uh, or during the races, because you may have uh, a lot of time between each race, I try to maybe have a piece of bread with peanut uh, with honey on it, a slice maybe, or, or a muesli bar, just something that gives you that energy that you need to be able to perform and, and not run out of energy when you race. But also having maybe like a caffeine strip as well. Um, just to give you that extra boost, extra little bit of energy that you can use uh, when you race. Um, so basically just something that, that will give you that extra bit of energy. Yeah, it's really good that you are a bit more fluid with it because I know some athletes who are like, oh, I need to eat two hours before and it has to be this and this. And then if that isn't available, it's like, oh, superstitious like oh it's gonna go wrong because I didn't get to eat it so it's good that you're like oh what am I feeling being aware of that on the morning of or whatever and then yeah I mean you do want to try to eat an hour before that, that's something that, that I try to to do um because you don't want to throw up when, when you race uh but what I eat before um I try to eat uh, you know a piece of bread with honey um especially if it's a morning race um, but it, it does change depending on how I feel because um, yeah, I may be a little bit more nervous so I don't want to eat too much because then I'll throw up or, or I might be really, really tired um, during, before my race so I might need an extra bit more. It just really depends on how I feel during the day. I don't really have a set, I could eat this, I could eat this amount. It really just depends on what race I have and, and how my body is the, uh, before I race. Major subject change, but this is the question I ask everyone. It's the thread between yes. all the guests. And I would please like to know, Jaden, in your own words, there's no right or wrong yeah. answer. What is tall poppy syndrome and have you experienced or observed it? Yeah. This is a really cool conversation because I I have experienced it in my life and I've also seen that happen uh, or I've seen a lot of people, other people experience it as well, um, whether whether that's in sport, whether that's just in general life. For me, po- uh, tall poppy syndrome is being criticized for doing well, um, whether that's achieving something and wanting to share it with other people and then putting you down, calling you a show off, calling you a try hard. Um, I, when I was younger, I, I achieved, uh, I, I got that quite often especially at school where I may have achieved something. I may have been um, in the media and then someone would call me a show off, even though it's not me going to the media and saying, hey, can you interview me? It's then like, hey, we've seen you do this. Um, can we interview you? It, it is it is quite, quite challenging. It was quite challenging when I was younger. And I guess it has 
uh, affected me now I try when I do achieve something quite cool and I get asked about it they're like hey how did this go I would say oh it was all right whereas I may have just broken the New Zealand record or I may have done something really really cool um I guess it's knocked my confidence a little bit um, but that's something I am trying to work on at the moment is to celebrate myself a little bit more show people what, what I have achieved because it is quite cool what I have achieved and I want to inspire other people to um, to set the goals and, and try to achieve the same things that I have um, so just celebrating myself a little bit more is what I'm trying to trying to do more of because um, from what has happened when I was younger about the people calling me a show off try hard um, that has yeah affected me quite a lot um, but my advice to other people would be that if you do achieve something quite cool, you know, go post it on social media, go tell people that because I'm sure lots of people would be proud of you. And like, if you hit me up on Instagram, tell me about it. I'm I'm really proud of you guys for achieving awesome things. Share share your successes with others. Um, we we want to know what you've been up to. We want to know what you've achieved. We want to celebrate with you. That, that, that's what I think tall poppy syndrome is and that's how it's affected me um yeah over the years yeah thank you firstly for sharing that do you think it's easier for you to be proud and to celebrate someone else's success more than your own because of your experiences with it yeah yeah definitely uh when, when I see other people's successes I always like to to celebrate them quite a lot and and when I do go up to them and say great job they do exactly what I do and they, they say, oh, it's, it's not a big deal, but actually it's it's huge. Um, so I find it way, way more easier to celebrate other people than to, to celebrate myself. Um, I find it quite quite awkward to, to celebrate myself. I find it quite uncomfortable sharing with other people. Although I must say, I do like to share things on, on social media and, and that's how I do celebrate myself um, but whether it's but in person yeah it, it is it's quite challenging yeah and I also appreciate like I mentioned before when you were eight you were getting interviewed for the Halberg Sports Awards and like like you said you didn't ask for that rightfully so people want to hear and tell the story much like when I reached out to you I'm like Jaden's seriously crushing it and as I dug deeper, I was like, okay, not just in sport. He's also literally working with the government. He's studying. He's doing all these yeah. things. It feels very easy for me to identify that and see that you're thriving in all these areas. Is it a little like uncomfortable for you to hear me saying all these positive things? Or are you getting better at, at kind of accepting it? Um, it? It's still quite hard. I mean, I guess... It has a little bit to do with my disability as well well when I was quite when I was younger I I used to be celebrated for achieving the smallest amount of things whether it be um I may have had I I don't think this is big but I may have had a surgery and then got out of surgery and they would think that that's you know incredible but I'm like actually no it's just part of my life and, and I guess those experiences that I've had of people celebrating me for small things that I've had or I've done the bigger things now that, that I achieve make it quite awkward to, for other people to celebrate me because I'm thinking are they celebrating me because I've achieved these things as a person 
what? Or are they celebrating them because I've achieved these as a person with a disability? Is it my disability? Is it is it because wow, we didn't we didn't think you could achieve that because of your disability? Or wow, we think you've achieved these because you're an awesome person. And I guess that that also has stopped me from celebrating myself um, as well. Um, but when when I got asked um, by you and, and and when you talk about those things, I'm like. It's quite cool to hear the impact that I have had on other people and that, hey, uh, the stuff that I achieved has made people want to learn more about me. Um, and so um, you asking me, I think that, that that's quite cool. Um, but yeah, there has been a, those other instances where, where it can get a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, and you are an awesome person, period. That's the smallest part of the wheelchair racing is like, okay, it's all these other things and like the fact that you're racing in Switzerland you're also someone who's confident enough to fit into a group of Australians and make friends and hang out with them like that's why I said in the intro that competitive spirit you have within racing wheelchair racing is like feels like such a small part of who Jaden is because it's all these other things you do your generous heart your constant curiosity the fact that you're studying while also training and doing everything else like there has been times where I, I have not wanting to do wanted to do as much as I do do in terms of uh, whether it's my community or work or, or whether it's my sport but then uh, I guess there is the, the bit of um, nervousness whether if I stop whether people would think think the same of me whether they would um, think how that, that I'm cool enough or whether they think um yeah I don't know how to explain it I mean, it's, it's a bit difficult to explain but uh, I have had times where, where I have wanted to stop doing stuff and I'm scared that other people won't think the same of me um anymore um I do as much as I do because I enjoy it and because I have seen the the challenges other people have gone through in their life especially um, those who have a disability and I just want to create better opportunities for them to be honest I don't really I don't, I don't want to say this, but I don't really care what other people think about me. Um, it it is quite cool to think. It's really quite, it's quite cool to think that, it's quite cool to hear that um, the stuff I have done has impacted them positively. That's awesome. But I don't do it for other people. I don't do it for the, the kudos. I don't do it for, for the awards. I don't do it for the, the, the claps. I do it because because I'm passionate about it. I do it because I want to impact other people. I do it because I want to show people that, hey, even though that you have a disability, you can still achieve at a really, really high level within sports, within community, within education. That That's why, why I do it. Um, and that's why I try to do it as much as I can um, to inspire those other people to, to, to do the same. Yes, epic. And you know you're making an impact. Um, even seeing like, some of the other interviews or the smiles of kids that you've coached or whether people are cracking laughs. I watched an acceptance speech you had for like 2018, you got an attitude award yes. and you, you go up there and Jane, you're hilarious. You're like, Oh, thank you. Apologies for any voice cracks. It's that age. And I just, yeah, I'm like, Oh, so seeing those laughs, seeing the smiles on the faces you help when you're coaching them or whether it's racing and your competitors, like, it's really cool just to hear and looking at everything online, 
it's seriously impressive and that's why my first question had to be like how are you doing it because it's it's, it's such a workload and I can imagine like we're only halfway through the year I'm very curious what the rest of the year is going to bring for you do you I mean yeah. semester two for uni is going to start soon is there any more racing on the horizon um, at the moment, this year, there's no big competitions. I am going to go to Australia, hopefully, at, towards the end of the year to do a few training camps with some of the Aussies. I know that they really want me to come over and train with their juniors and race with their juniors, which I'm so pumped about. Um, I, I may potentially do a trip to Victoria, Canada. I know when I was in Switzerland, they, they really liked me. They really liked hanging out with me. Um, and they really want to support me. Um, so maybe having a trip over there could be on the horizon, just depending on if I can get enough funding or sponsorship for it. That's something I'm looking for at the moment. Um, but And it is quite challenging. Um, so it really is dependent on that. But then next year, next year is where it's at. Man. There's a lot on, um, on the horizon for next year. Uh, so January, I will be going to Australia to uh, compete in the Summer Down Under Wheelchair Racing Series. So it's a wheelchair racing series where people come from all over the world um, for, uh, I think, a week um, in Canberra, uh, where we do drills, where we um, have training sessions, where we have workshops, and we also compete at nighttime as well, uh, which is quite cool. So it's like the Grand Prix but in Switzerland, but just a little bit smaller and with less countries, but it's still as epic. Um, as the Grand Prix, and then I'll be doing the um, the Canberra State Champs as well um, after the Summer Down Under, and that's in Canberra. And Canberra is the fastest track in Australia as well, so that's quite cool. And then potentially in February next year, I'll be going to Dubai um, to compete at the Dubai um, Grand Prix. So it's like Switzerland. It's like the World Parathletics um, Grand Prix in Switzerland, but now it's in Dubai. I'm doing the one in Dubai. Um, hopefully, um, once again, if I can get enough funding for it. Um, yeah, knock on wood. Um, and then after that, I'm hoping to qualify for the World Parathletics um, Champs, which are going to be in Kobe, Japan. Um, and so that's in May next year. Uh, fingers crossed I, I, um, fingers crossed I qualify for that. The qualifying times are quite tough. Um, especially in my classification, it's the toughest classification out of all of them. Um, so, so fingers crossed, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping um, to qualify for that in May next year in Japan. And then potentially after that, um, there's the um, Switzerland Grand Prix, which is in June, which is the same one as this year. But I mean, after all that other international travel, I'm not sure. I may need a little bit of a rest after the um, world champs. Um, but I mean, it could be quite cool to go back to Switzerland, the fastest track uh, in the world um, and, and see those people again. Um, so that's basically the plan of the next year, a uh, year and a half. Um, and then obviously going back to Australia a few times next year. Um, to training camp, have training camps, hang out with them, maybe a trip to Canada, Victoria. Um, you know, it, it's all up in the air at the moment, but that's basically the, the, the basic plan. It would be so cool if you could, I was going to say, if you could go to Switzerland in a year and see the gains made within yeah. a year, but also if you've got all that other stuff going on, you've learned the things to learn in Switzerland. If you can go back, great. 
but then in Dubai, like I'm sure the heat is going to be different. Maybe the way the um, the track area is set up, like as you said, those learnings you can get if you're in a different location, especially internationally, a plethora of more things you can gain knowledge wise. Yeah. Because the rest of the year in terms of racing might have less it means you can focus on training because I know like especially with COVID a lot of our Kiwi athletes had to train in their garage like you did um so I know some of the technical tactical skills might have taken a back step while the fitness really focused is that something you're looking forward to for the rest of the year is like focusing on maybe technical tactical skills on the track yeah in New Zealand, there's no or there's hardly any other wheelchair races. I think I'm one of oh, the only males, besides I think there's a, a, another guy as well. But I'm the only competitive male um, who does wheelchair racing in New Zealand. So I automatically don't have that experience for tactics, um, which which was quite challenging going to Switzerland because I'd never experienced tactics before and so to get into a race where you had to do so many different things it was a little bit overwhelming but by the end um I, I had I I did all right by the end um I I managed to pick it up quite quick which was cool uh, but being able to go over to Australia uh, at the end of the year or towards the end of the year and do training um I'll get lots of tactic practice over there um so that will really help in my getting uh, experience for next year and going to uh, Dubai and going and then going to Kobe, hopefully. Being able to train over the next couple of months will give me a lot of fitness. Then that's something that I'm going to work on. Uh, I know I am going to start working on my positioning in my chair just to optimize my push to get more strength out, to go, to go faster. Yeah, so strength is another thing that I am going to be working on, especially in the gym. Um, so the off season does provide a lot of things. Who has been a change maker or makers for you? Yeah, so there's there's been a few people over my life. A couple of them, I'll, I'll, I'll give you their names. The, the first one is Cam Calcoon. So Cam Calcoon is my mentor. Um, he, he, he's been a mentor for me since I was really, really young. We're actually uh, both ambassadors for the Yes Disability Resource Centre. And he does public speaking. Um, he's a change maker and he's, he's really helped me in terms of um, increasing my confidence. Um, he's helped me um, increase my story, uh, figure out what my story is and then being able to help me create uh, a story to go to other people and, and tell other people about myself um, and share my journey with them. So he, he's helped me. Um, in, in that respect, but also someone else is Sonia Thursby. So Sonia Thursby is the CEO of the Yesterday Resource Center. So so there there's a link there. So the Yesterday Resource Center has helped me quite a lot. And Sonia Thursby, she's quite cool in terms of if she sees something that's wrong, she will go and sort it out. She will fight for it. She will make sure that people get what they deserve. And she's been huge in the disability space. And so when I've been on these committees, I, I always remind myself of Sonia and think, hey, if Sonia can make all this change, why can't I? You know, I, I have the ability to impact people's lives. That is, that is so cool. I've been given this opportunity with these committees 
to impact people's lives. So why don't I take it and why don't I do as much as I can to impact and, and to be a change maker? And so Sonia's really um, inspired me to, to do that. And that's why I do so much uh, with that in my community. Bet they're very proud of you and you can tell you're proud of them. So (laughs) they're very cool people. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be where I am today uh, without their support, especially within my community work. And I I owe a a lot to them and I thank them for that. Wicked. Now, speaking of some community work, could you share, and again, a big question, so go as deep or as little as you want, but the work you do with universities and government bodies about accessibility and ableism in society. Could you just share a little bit about what it is you do? Yeah, definitely. So I, I'm i an ambassador for three organizations, um, Achilles International, New Zealand, uh, Yes Disability Resource Center, and also Medifab and Spec Seating. Uh, spec Seating. So through them, I go to their different events. Um, I do speeches at, at, at uh, different events that they want me to. I do blogs for, especially for Medifab spec seating. Um, and then I'm also on a few different committees. I'm on um, the Halberg Youth Council. So Halberg Youth Council um, aims to create opportunities for young people with disabilities to participate in sport and recreation. So that's their main goal. That's the main goal of the Halberg Foundation, but also to create moments of joy as well. It, it is another one of um, one of their, their uh, missions. And so through there, I go to different events. I run different events. I go to their help, annual Halbert Games and I try to uh, go to talk to different government, uh, d- different government um, officials, different uh, sporting organizations and brainstorm with them. How can we get more people with physical disabilities into sports? And so that's basically what that, that um, council is. I'm also on the Ministry of Youth Development Advisory Group. And so through there, we work with the Ministry of Youth Development. Uh, we've recently worked um, on their youth plan. Um, we, our goal on that, on that um, advisory group is to create a better New Zealand for youth. It's kind of uh, self-explanatory. Um, through We've been working on the youth plan and through that we're working on voice and leadership. So how do we increase voice uh, how do we amplify the voice of people or young people, uh, youth in New Zealand? And how do we get them more in leadership? Um, how do we give them more leadership opportunities? And so uh, I do it quite a lot with them. Um, I'm also on the ILEAD committee. So the ILEAD committee is a national committee where um, a group of people with disabilities and we come together and we have meetings, consultations with government officials. Um, on a whole variety of, of topics, whether it be sports, education, health, um, transition, uh, the whole variety of things. Uh, and we, we talk to them about our experiences and we also give them advice on where we think um, they can change in terms of their policies, in terms of just um, creating more opportunities for, for people with disabilities and making sure that their rights are being upheld and that they're getting the best quality of life. Um, so and also the ILEAD committee is one of the only committees in New Zealand um, or only disability committees in New Zealand that the government 
gets advice from, which is quite cool. So the government come to the I-League committee and say, hey, we want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, can you give us your thoughts? And then they'd set up a consultation and then we'd give our, uh, we'd give our advice. Um, so being on that, that committee is, is really, really awesome because you get to make a huge change. And then I'm also on a Auckland Transport Committee. So through that, we're figuring out how to make Auckland more accessible uh, for people with disabilities, whether that be at bus stops, train stations, um, ferry places, um, or just out in the community um, in general. And then I'm also doing some research with Massey University on, as you were talking about before, ableism. Um, whether that's ableism in general or ableism um, in sport. And so through that, we are, we've um, had some conversations with people who are non-disabled and we're trying to figure out where the gaps are in terms of their understanding on, on ableism and, and the challenges that we've gone through and whether they identify them and whether they actually know about it. And so what's really cool about the ableism project that I'm on, it's, it's less of me sharing my, my experience, but it's more of the able-bodied people sharing their lack of understanding with us. And then we can then identify and then we can then solve those issues and, and then get them up to speed on, on the different areas that they're lacking. And so with that, oh, it's, it's in the early stages at the moment. Um, but with that one, it, it's quite cool to, and it's quite interesting to hear um, the gaps within the different um, parts of society and the different organizations. Um, so that's quite cool. So, so th that's just a little bit of the stuff I do in the community. Um, and then I also do some fundraising. I, I do a lot of media stuff. Um, like you said, the Parasport, Champ uh, Parasport Collective. I was also involved with um, Paralympics New Zealand Parasport Champions, uh, which we were able to go into schools and teach the kids about the Paralympics, the Paralympic values, um, goal setting, um, setting, uh, having dreams. And what's really cool about the uh, Parasport Champions is that it's teaching them skills they can apply to their own life. So it's not just teaching them about the Paralympic movement, but it's teaching them, hey, how, how can you apply these um, to the goals and dreams that, that you are setting? That's a little bit of work I've been doing with uh, Paralympics New Zealand and then the Paralympics Collective as well. Yeah, okay. I just need to digest all of that, Jaden. One part that stuck out of the mini with the Massey study, it sounds like you're often being asked your experience as you said so it's cool to listen in and especially if you're studying psychology that you are it's like I can imagine that part of your brain's firing too as you're getting to listen to others and maybe apply some of your studies in of like oh well why do they think like that it is quite cool to hear people's uh, thoughts and it, it confuses me some things that they say and I, I kind of want to give my opinion straight away um because some things that people may so it is incorrect um but i mean it is quite cool to see where the gaps are yeah and i mean that's why they're studying it because i you can't maybe step in because that's the whole point of like scientific method i don't even know i didn't study uh, that sort of stuff but the fact that you are involved in so many different things I, I knew i gave you an intro but just to hear that 
passion and knowledge you have for each every single one of them I wanted to give you the floor for a moment is there anything maybe you wanted to say or something exciting is coming up whatever it is um anything that you feel like we miss yeah definitely um there is one thing I, I just wanted to, to to say, and I did talk about it before, but I want to reiterate it. If you are uh, struggling, uh, whether it be um, you want to achieve something really cool, um, or if you are struggling in, in achieving your goals and achieving your dreams, it's not too, it's not bad to ask for help um, if you need it. Um, I, I think that's the most important advice then that I can give someone is that don't do it alone that always ends up real bad. I've experienced that in my own life where I've tried to do things on my own. Um, but a team is better than going on your own. So if you do, do need help, if you are struggling to achieve your goals and dreams, or if you are struggling with your physical health, if you're struggling with your mental health, um, please, please, please ask for help. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the biggest piece of advice then that I can give someone. It, something that I just wanted to add and, and if, if someone did want to talk to me um, if you are struggling you just want someone to talk to you can always um, hit me up on Instagram um, Jaden Movold um, or, or Facebook Jaden Movold um, or if you want to hit me up on LinkedIn uh, I've just recently set up my LinkedIn account um, that's my full name again Jaden Movold but I, I mainly use Instagram um, so, so if you if you do need someone to talk to, hit me up on um, any of my social medias. I've also got a, a website as well, jadamobile.com, um, that you can learn more about me as well if you if you want. And I know you mean it too. Thank you. Because and from the minute we first started conversation on, on Instagram to now, your authenticity, your genuineness is like, it's infectious. That's why I'm like smiling and I feel like, I could ask a more vulnerable question because you seem like someone who's really willing to talk about anything and you've, you've gone through things, but you, you remain so positive and that's why it's, it's a gift. So thank you for letting me be a part of the Jaden experience. I like to share my story. I like to be as vulnerable as possible because you never know there's maybe someone who are who's struggling out there who or who is experiencing the same things I have and and is maybe I'm finding it hard to, to get through. And so if I can just impact one person, that's cool. That's my life goal. That's why I do what I do in my community is to impact other people. So if what I've said today impacts one person, you know, I've done it. I've I've achieved it. Yes. And that's what the tall poppy talk is about right and you mentioned that you've experienced the negatives of tall poppying we tall poppy ourselves like when you say oh you did all right at Switzerland I know you did very well at Switzerland but you get in those habits of like oh yeah she was it was it was fine so I'm hoping we can achieve and I feel like we've got there and I've been able to have conversations with other guests like well let's actually just ask someone like yourself who's a tall puppy tall poppy like how did you get there? What are your learnings? What can you share? And I'm hoping we can generate even more positive dialogue and conversations where you are confident to say well done to someone else, but also well done to yourself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, it, it's a journey that I'm on at the moment in terms of that. And um, I have gotten better over the last couple of years. And um, yeah, I'm just going to continue to remind myself 
that hey i've actually i've achieved some really cool things and i've got to be proud proud of it and i think also talking to as well well talking to you as well has actually given me a little bit more confidence and has encouraged me to to, to do that a little bit more which i'm excited i'm, I'm excited to uh to achieve more things i'm excited to share more on the things that i've achieved thank you that is the greatest gift i could hear back is allowing you to unlock that little bit more position a little bit more like uh, permission for yourself to share and celebrate because it is infectious having this like let's all just get after it and that's why i say uh, share success grow more poppies we can do it now my little sign off question is if you could have just one meal for the rest of your life, so it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, yeah. what like what is that going to be for you? Oh, that is a good question, man. I normally don't eat quite a lot, so it's a bit hard to um, just pick one meal. Um, but I do like sushi. I love sushi, so I would eat sushi like forever. Um, yes, yeah, I would have to choose sushi. But I mean, I would eat that every day. Man, I'd go broke, but that's all right. And there's a lot of different varieties as well. So if I get boiled on one thing, I just move to another. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jane, thank you. I know I've taken more of your time than I told you, but you're a generous person. So you, you said no worries. And just thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and talking to me. It, it means the world. That's all right. I've enjoyed it uh, quite a lot. This has been one of the funnest podcasts I've ever been on. And um, yeah, I look forward to connecting with people if they ever want to talk to me. Um, I'm, I'm open um, to having conversations about anything. Um, it doesn't matter how uh, how private it may be. Um, yeah, L let me know if you guys want to talk. I'm happy. But yeah, I've had so much fun. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today's guest. Take care, be kind.